0: south carolina's women's basketball program won another sec tournament title on sunday and it wasn't just because of their renowned defensive play our locked on gamecocks your daily podcast on the south carolina gamecocks part of the locked on podcast network your team every day Hello, Gamecock Nation, and welcome back to the Lockdown Gamecocks podcast, your show for the latest headlines and potential storylines on South Carolina Gamecock athletics. I'm Andrew Lyon, the host of this podcast, and also the lead staff writer for Gamecocks Digest over on SI.com. Thank you for making Lockdown Gamecocks your first listen here today. We are free and available on YouTube and also wherever you get your audio podcasts daily. Don Staley and South Carolina's women's basketball program captured another SEC tournament title on Sunday afternoon, pretty much running away from the Tennessee Volunteers, even though the game was somewhat close at certain points of the contest, especially early on in the first half. And the thing is, While South Carolina, of course, has won 38, 39, 37 straight games because of their defensive play, it's a big reason why they have risen to the top of women's college basketball. It's time that the Gamecocks offense get just as much credit as their defense. Because when people are sort of asked how they would describe South Carolina's women's basketball team, especially based on the past few years, they would probably throw out the same words and phrases. They're long, they're physical, they crash the boards, they are a lockdown defensive team from the point guard all the way to the center position, etc. That is sort of what you would hear about Don Staley's squad. But the thing is, Don Staley's basketball team and their offensive play has now essentially caught up to the defensive play that they have night in and night out. And the SEC tournament is probably the best example of this. When you look at last year's SEC tournament, when they played Arkansas, Ole Miss, and Kentucky, the Gamecocks scored 76, 61, and 62 points respectively in each of those contests and shot 34.8% from the floor as an entire team. Not exactly the most efficient three-game stretch that you can possibly find. But this season was a different story in the SEC tournament. As when the Gamecocks played Arkansas, Ole Miss, and Tennessee in this year's tournament, they scored 93, 80, and 74 points while shooting 51.35% From the floor. Now, the question that some people might ask when they hear or see these numbers is how has the team made such a leap on the offensive end of the floor? And there's probably a couple different things that you could point to here. One person would probably say that, well, they brought back a lot of the same players that they had on their national championship winning team last year. And that included 4 out of 5 starters and 9 out of 15 players overall from the previous season's squad. And yeah, continuity is going to play a big role here. But the thing is, a lot of these players had already been in the program for 2-3 to years at a minimum this past season. So, it has to be something else. And in terms of what that something else is, I would point to... The individual development of multiple individuals on this roster. When you look at which players I'm talking about here, you have to start with Zaya Cook. Zaya Cook had probably her worst shooting season this past year in her junior campaign even though the Gamecocks went on to win the national championship. Zia Cook, I believe, had basically career lows across the board in terms of her shooting percentages, both from the floor and from behind a three-point line. And this season, Zia Cook has not just gotten back into regular form in terms of how she performs on the offensive end. She is now probably all around the biggest threat offensively for South Carolina. She has grown so much in the mental aspect of the game. Understanding, you know, at what point she needs to actually hit the gas pedal and just go right onto the basket where she could either make a crafty move and give herself a good shot or she could draw a foul from the opposing team. And she also understands what situations where she needs to kick the ball out. Now, of course, there's still, you know certain events that might happen in a game where maybe she doesn't make the right call, but she's making the right call now more often than not. And that's leading to at least possessions where the team is getting a quality shot opportunity. You look at Bree Beal, another member of the Freshies group, as they call themselves, and somebody that's been in the starting lineup now for four years. She's probably the greatest example of this transformation that South Carolina has had on this end of the floor. I've talked about her before, and in terms of her development with the shooting aspect of her game. She is no longer somebody that is just strictly out there for her defensive play. Bree Beal is a weapon now on the offensive end for South Carolina. It makes the Gamecocks much more dangerous on this end. Because for somebody who heading into this year was probably about a career 28-29% three-point shooter, she's now shooting around 40% from that same area this season alone. And, again... Like Zaya Cook, Brie Beal has grown a lot in terms of understanding when to drive into the paint and try to get next to the basket, which she is much better than people give her credit for in that area because she knows how to shield the basketball and she could finish through contact. So Brie Beal's shooting has been a big help on this set. Camila Cardoso at the five spot. I think too many people focus on the fact that Camila Cardoso is six foot seven and Pretty much inferred that just because she's tall, that's the reason why she's so successful. I don't think that that is the sole reason why. Yes, being six foot seven helps, but the thing is, Camila Cardoso has now gotten better in terms of knowing how to use her size, her overall height, to her advantage. She's gotten so much better at maneuvering around the rim. She has put more touch on her shot. It's the reason why, even as Basically, the 6th woman off the bench, she is almost averaging a double-double throughout this season. Which is just incredible for any player in that position. And then, you look at Letitia Ami here. She is, I think, having career highs in in shooting percentages from the floor. She has got a career high right now in terms of her scoring average this season. And showcasing the SEC tournament that, again, hey, she could be a threat on the offensive end of the floor as well. Understanding, you know, again, how to maneuver around the rim, shield the basketball, and be able to at least get a shot up off of the backboard. And when Latisha Me here is rolling, she's one of the better players on the floor for South Carolina on both ends. And... When you look at the individual development of all of these players combined, it's led to the team being more willing to play team basketball, being willing to pass up okay or good shots for great ones. And that is why this team is seeing pretty much program highs in terms of their scoring average. And you combine everything else along with that, obviously their great defensive play and their innate ability to pretty much always grab rebounds against every opponent This team is probably the closest thing to being unstoppable in the sport right now. And so, again, it's a big reason why this team is now 32-0 and has a chance to shoot for perfection once they start the NCAA tournament in just a week and a half or so. Now... Of course, there's a lot going on on the court for Don Staley and South Carolina's women's basketball team. But there's also been a lot of quiet action going on for Shane Beamer and South Carolina's football program in terms of recruiting. We're going to dive into all of that in just a couple moments right here on Lockdown Gamecocks. Today's show is brought to you by Built Bar. Now, if you're looking for a delicious treat, you're looking for something to stock on your shelf, you're looking for something that's going to last you a while, it's going to be healthy for you, and you can snack on throughout the day, whether you are, you know, working out at the gym, or again, you're just looking to do better in terms of your nutrition, then you've got to try out Built Bar. It's healthy, it's extremely enjoyable, and it's got a variety of flavors. It's 130 calories, just 4 grams of sugar, and packs in a whopping 17 grams of protein. You can get these bars right now at your local Walmart or Sam's Club. At Walmart, you'll find these bars in the pharmacy section where you grab a 4-bar box that includes flavors like cookies and cream, double chocolate, or coconut puffs. At Sam's Club, you can grab a 13-bar box that includes flavors like brownie batter and churro. I promise you, Bilt Bar is going to be a life-changing decision for you. One of the best protein bars that you will ever eat. And it is where tasty is the new healthy. Welcome back to this Monday edition of the Locked On Gamecocks podcast, where we cover your South Carolina Gamecocks every single day. Thank you for making Locked On Gamecocks your first listen every day. Be sure to check out Locked On College Basketball, where you'll find everything you need to know about college hoops in just one place. Plus, you'll hear from big name experts, insiders, coaches, and players. Locked On College Basketball is available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Obviously, South Carolina's football program's got a lot going on on the recruiting trail right now, and in order to do a further deep dive into what all is going on on that front, I'm going to be joined by John Garcia Jr., who had a lot to say regarding prospects like Dylan Stewart, Josiah Thompson, and plenty of others. So, without further ado, let's kick it on over to my interview with John Garcia Jr. I'm pleased to be joined on today's show by John Garcia, Jr., Locked On's resident recruiting insider. John, hope that you've been doing well now that February's sort of quieted down a little bit after all the National Sign Day hoopla, especially with Nicholas Harbour's recruitment.
1: Yeah, yeah, that was a fun one. Obviously, Carolina came up uh, roses on that one. And and yeah, I think it, it was kind of the perfect plant flag planting moment because now you just spur right into the 24 class and, and Carolina's already hot on the trail there particularly in state so yeah it's it's been uh, pretty fun for your audience I would imagine
0: oh yeah no Gamecock fans have been absolutely loving it down here could be one of the best recruiting classes since the spurrier years and we're talking back in 2007 things that are rolling that well right now for South Carolina of course we'll talk about plenty of prospects but we're going to start off with one John that South Carolina's own fan base, it seems like, has made their mission to try and persuade to come to Columbia, and that is wide receiver Jonathan Paler out of North Carolina. State that admittedly has been a little bit more difficult to recruit for the last couple years because of Mac Brown's presence up there, up in Chapel Hill. Paler just released his top eight uh, a few days ago and included the South Carolina Gamecocks. He's called them his leader now in multiple interviews in the past few months as well, and obviously this could open the door for South Carolina to try to get back into North Carolina, which is a fertile recruiting ground, quite underrated in the southeastern region. So, John, what are your overall thoughts on Jonathan's recruitment so far? And who are the teams that you see as sort of those long-term contenders in this one?
1: Yeah, this recruitment is probably still unraveling, right? He's still collecting some pretty big scholarship offers. But look, South Carolina was was in early and often for him. Like you said, he is he's on the record with South Carolina as his leader. And, and I think that's important when you when you dig into why, right? It's the communication. It's the fan base. It's how thorough this angle has become. Um, and that's going to be important because as new offers come in and other schools try to compete, they're going to st- try to stake their claim in their own way. Uh, so this one will, will be fascinating. I do think we've got some time between now and, and when a decision will come in. But everything is pretty – progressive when it comes to South Carolina's angle in early building that relationship. And I believe it's the only official visit that he's got set for the month of June. I, I know he wants to take most of them in the month of June. Last time I talked to him, he said the timeline's looking good right now for his overall recruitment. Um, And he's still collecting offers. Florida was, was the most recent and a big one. You know, he said that was the dream school. So if we're going on, on Jonathan's words, South Carolina is the leader, but Florida is the dream school. So which one do you put more stock into? Uh, I think that will be interesting to see. Of course, the Gators' relationship is brand new. They don't have a receivers coach at the moment. Uh, So I think that's more of a long-term play from the Florida angle, which is why the momentum South Carolina has right now for him does seem pretty darn real. Um, But like you said, it's a top eight. uh, A lot of schools in it. Colorado's trying to get a visit out of him. um, And naturally, the the SEC-ACC overlap that that invades the state of North Carolina is going to be prevalent and heavy in this recruitment. So you expect more officials to be set in June, and then maybe a decision preseason. You know, and I think obviously from the South Carolina angle, with that momentum that we've talked about overall in the class, uh, but particularly with kids closer to home, you hope sooner the better uh, from South Carolina standpoint. But I think you're in great position, uh, maybe pole position at this point. Uh, four paler, uh, who's electric, he's a game changer. Um, ironically, the Florida staff he told me compared him to Debo Samuel, so uh, that maybe that's a shot at South Carolina. I'm not sure. Game Nation saw, saw those tweets, uh, and and were certainly um curious uh, about Florida's methods there. Um, but you understand it, right? If you throw out that type of comp, regardless of which coaching staff it is, it's a big deal to recruits. So that's an easy to see. Um, offensive weapon because of all the things that, that Debo does at the highest level. So if if any type of comps in that direction are handed out, obviously, is uh, a big-time player. And look, 20-plus touchdowns uh, as an offensive weapon last year in, in North Carolina, but playing a variety of positions. So he is a game-changer with the football in his hands, and obviously that means a lot of schools are going to try to get in on that. So curious to see, of course, who else becomes an official visit destination. So that top eight will naturally – Uh, By itself, basically become a top five. Who else gets an official? I think Florida is probably going to get one. Uh, Colorado looks like they're probably in line for one as well. So who who maybe are the other two? You know, does Georgia start to push? What does that final battle look like uh, as we get closer uh, to the summer months? That will be fascinating. But either way, South Carolina is truly in, in the thick of this one.
0: Right, yeah, it was definitely interesting that Florida decided to bring up a former South Carolina star as part of their pitch to Jonathan Paler. I'm not sure exactly how much that helps them or South Carolina, but like you said, interesting pitch there from Billy Napier and his staff down there. But also, NC State is definitely another team that I think you might want to watch out for. Obviously, in North Carolina, Dave Dorn apparently is really pushing hard here after Jonathan Paler. So definitely a long ways to go here before Jonathan's recruitment comes to a close. Beamer and this coaching staff have really been prioritizing the offensive and defensive lines in this past recruiting cycle and now heading to 2024. And probably the biggest name right now is Dylan Stewart, who had quite the week last week. He was named the number one recruit in the country by On3 Sports after they reshuffled their rankings early this past week. He's already completely made a slate of visits or planned a slate of visits for the spring. He's going to visit the Game Cox on April 14th. And he's also named South Carolina his leader in some previous interviews as well. So John, when looking at this recruitment from a bird's eye view, what do you think has led the Gamecocks to taking the pole position, at least as of right now. And in terms of his overall game, I mean, you don't get named the one recruit in a country just for nothing. So what does Dylan Stewart also bring to the football field?
1: Yeah, Andrew, let me start there because yeah, there's electricity off the edge uh, with Dylan, you know, six five, two thirty 30 or so just, kind of a bat out of hell off the edge. And and that has always been valued, obviously, in, in this sport. But as, as each year goes by, more value, more stock is placed into that type of edge rusher in particular. I mean, look at the NFL Combine this week. The star of the show was Nolan Smith out of Georgia with just freaky traits at that kind of hybrid size. You know, you can work downhill and rush the passer. You can drop off. You can certainly play laterally, uh, maybe even into some coverage as well with that type of athleticism. And Stewart profiles at least similarly at the same stage of of his football journey. Uh, Washington, D.C. guy, obviously, uh, you know, a coveted area where everybody sort of overlaps in recruiting there at Friendship Collegiate Academy, 16 sacks as a junior. I mean, that's uh, obviously more than one per game. Uh, So this is a game record. This is a guy who, can absolutely flip the script uh, with that first step. But there's some polish and some physicality that has come along with it uh, as his junior tape uh, has made the rounds. And simultaneously, sort of like we talked about with Jonathan Paylor, the offers continue to come in. Uh, the, 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 I guess, urgency of college football programs quite literally across the country has stepped up in a big way for Stewart. Uh, Colorado is, is the most recent scholarship offer. Like you said, he's going to make that visit, uh, so that'll be interesting. You know, nowadays, we can't count out Dion for any recruit, it feels like, particularly mm-hmm. nope, on the defensive side of the ball. But again, just like we talked about with Paler, South Carolina in early in often, and there's this D.C. flood that, that is just trickling on down to Columbia, South Carolina, and that stuff matters. When you talk about winning the Nicholas Harbor recruitment, this is sort of some of the aftershock that we're still experiencing. It it creates a tangible. Okay, this is a pathway for other recruits in the D.C. area. It's like it's like a mini version of Texas when when Texas A&M went to the SEC and Texas started fading a little bit. Everyone viewed the state as an open door because nobody kind of controlled or dominated it. I think we're seeing a little bit of that in the DC area, who is going to take a stranglehold of the area, Ohio state, Michigan have Penn state have always been good there. Obviously Maryland, Virginia tech are are closer to home, but none of those programs have kind of closed the door uh, around that very fertile uh, recruiting area, but South Carolina, how they ended 2023 and how they're beginning in this 24 cycle They may be the program that is trying to to do it most consistently, and when you win the Nicholas Harbor recruitment in particular, that's the guy. That's the guy in the area that everyone was aware of, everyone was looking up to. Where will he go? What kind of precedent would something like that create? So you win that recruitment, and you start to get the after effects with others in the area. So, again, the timing – Uh, pretty much elite for South Carolina at this stage. Uh, And they do a really good job. You know, Shane Beamer on down there's energy, there's consistency, all the traits that recruits look for. South Carolina is checking those boxes from an effort and opportunity standpoint. And again, they're also trusting their evaluations. There's, there's an X's and O's element to this. I think from a national standpoint, we kind of get lost in the, the buzz, the momentum uh, and the energy department. But look, there's a reason that South Carolina is in earlier than a lot of other programs for these elite recruits. They're trusting their own evaluations up and down that coaching staff. So the timing of this has always been in South Carolina's favor. And that was the case with Harbor. It was like, you're in early, you got the buzz. Can you hold on that answer? was back and forth, but it ended up being yes in the end. And this one feels similar for, for Dylan Stewart. Now, I don't expect his recruitment to last as long as Harbors did, and this one is more conventional And hey, it's about football, it's about rushing the passer, let's take a bunch of visits right now, and let's go. All the things we didn't say about Harbor 12 months ago, uh, where it was like, hey, he couldn't take a bunch of visits, he had to weigh all those things, opposite case for Stewart. So it's even more opportune for South Carolina to hold this public momentum for Stewart. But you go look at the tweet that was put out this week, and then you say, uh uh-oh, Bama March 4th, Ohio State March 24th, (laughs) Georgia March 31st. We already mentioned Colorado and South Carolina, Oregon, Tennessee, Penn State, Michigan. Everybody's going to get their quote-unquote 15 minutes with Stewart, and everybody seems more galvanized on his game now that that tape is out. So this feels just like the momentum conversation we talked about around the Nicholas Harbor recruitment. You know everyone is going to shoot their best shot for this kid, but just like we said with Paylor, let's see where the official visit dust starts to settle as you get into the summer months. You bet you you know what South Carolina could be penciled in at this point. It just becomes a matter of who else joins that conversation. But in terms of from the beginning of the recruitment to today, South Carolina has done as good a job as, as anyone for Dylan Stewart.
0: Yeah, and going back to what you said about Shane Beamer and the recruitment possibly not going the route that Nicholas Harpers did, I don't think that Coach Beamer would be uh, too unhappy about that because I think he may have uh, aged a couple years with just how much happened at the very tail end of that recruitment. So yeah, Dylan Stewart, again, a lot of teams in pursuit of him and uh, could decide before his senior season. We'll definitely have to wait and see how all of that plays out. Uh, John, another prospect the Gamecocks are heavily in the game for. We're going to go back to the Palmetto State for this one. Offensive tackle Josiah Thompson. He was another big winner in sort of on threes recruiting reshuffle last week. He's now looked upon as... Pretty much one of the top 50 prospects in the entire country for his class. And now maybe even the best offensive tackle in his class. He's a kid that South Carolina has had in Columbia several times now. He plays at a Pipeline High School for the Gamecocks and Dillon High School here in the state. He could team up with Cam Pringle in the class. But... Josiah Thompson seems like he's going to still take his visits, including one to Alabama that it seems like people are talking about a little bit more than the other teams here. So John, do you think the Gamecocks maybe have some reason for worry here that Josiah Thompson is sort of carrying out this process? Or do you think the gap right now is still a bit too large to where it's going to take a really big push from anybody to
1: overcome South Carolina's lead here? Yeah, right now, Andrew, I'm probably closer to your, your latter point. Um, if we talk about, South Carolina momentum in DC as a very interesting sort of turning point right now with how we view the program. The only area where it's better and more consistent and more tangible is close to home is in state. In particular, uh, South Carolina is rolling, right? You mentioned Cam Pringo, MJ Bennett. I mean, the list goes on and on. Things are rolling for South Carolina within state lines. And as you mentioned, Dylan, it's a pipeline area anyway uh, to the program. So look, He's an emerging prospect, just like we, we talked about uh, with both of these other two guys, Paler and Stewart. So you're always going to have to hold off the big boys, right? You know, like you said, Alabama's getting a lot of conversation right now. Georgia is in this top group uh, for Josiah as well. So it, this is always going to be the case when you talk about premium position guys, you know, with Harbor uh, and Stewart as pass rushers. And certainly on the other side, when you talk about pass protectors. It's going to be the same type of deal. Um, But the momentum is here. Um, I remember right when Pringle committed, everyone saw Josiah's post with him and Pringle with the Pringles. And, you know, and from that moment, you're just like, man, you know, it's going to be tough uphill for anybody to to match this. And, And by all indication, Thompson, I think of the three guys we've talked about so far, he might be furthest along in in the decision making process so it's a top six right now i think that came out in january but within that it feels like it's it's cut in half clemson's in this conversation uh trying to take back some of that momentum in state which is totally uh, understandable georgia and Bama are right there as well that's kind of how i'm viewing this recruitment today tennessee miami are also in this top group but it feels like they're, they're fading a little bit relative to to some of these other schools. So I do think if, if things continue to accelerate and, and these other visits get set, uh, that Josiah Thompson can be just a little bit closer towards making a decision. And, yeah, South Carolina has built up its own momentum at, at close to home as well as any program has early in this 24 cycle. So, yeah, I'm, I'm closer to that than the watch out for Alabama and Georgia conversation today. Obviously those schools have been there and done that. So you don't overlook them, uh, but close to home, it's, it's becoming hard for other schools to come into South Carolina and win, um, especially the kids who want to come off the board early. So if this was a, a situation that would drag to December or February, uh, then I think so the out-of-state alarms would probably be a little louder. But if this thing is, is trending towards ending in the off season, I really like where South Carolina stands.
0: Right, and the state of South Carolina, honestly, John, it's been a state that in years past, the Gamecocks have struggled a little bit to lock down, as you mentioned. You know, Kirby Smart had become known as a coach that could go in there and poach like the top player in the state. Clemson, of course, has had their solid run in the past few years, and you know Alabama has come in every so often. So I don't think people quite frankly understand fully that if South Carolina can keep all these players here at home, It's a really big deal considering all of the teams, of course, that surround South Carolina, that they have to battle every single year, it seems like, with every one of these top prospects in the Southeast. He is Locked On's recruiting insider, John Garcia, Jr. John, I really appreciate you coming on to today's show, providing us all of your insight into all these top-notch prospects.
1: Absolutely, Andrew. Thanks for having me.
0: All right, really appreciate John Garcia Jr. joining us as always on today's edition of the Locked On Gamecocks podcast. Always bringing the insight to Gamecock fans on what is going on with all these big time recruiting battles that Shane Beamer and this coaching staff are in for the 2024 class and the 2025 class as well. So that's going to do it for today's show of the Locked On Gamecocks podcast. I hope y'all thoroughly enjoyed today's show. What are y'all's thoughts on South Carolina's women's basketball team and how the offense has now pretty much caught up to the defensive end? How dangerous does that make them? And also, what are your thoughts on all of these recent recruiting updates for South Carolina's football program? Let me know your thoughts down below in the comments section if you're watching today's show on YouTube, or you can shoot me a direct message at aline sc on Twitter if you listen to today's show on an audio podcast app. And once again, don't forget to make Lockdown College Basketball your second listen or watch now that you have watched or listened to the Lockdown Gamecocks podcast. But again, y'all, that does it for me on today's show. Have a great rest of your Monday and a fantastic start to the work week. And I will catch y'all on the next show of the Lockdown Gamecocks podcast.